All right. That was Robert Mangiardi, who's standing by to join us right now. And I uh, can't wait to talk to him about damaged furniture, the dysfunctional family heading to New York City and more. Good morning, Robert. Good morning. How are you? Great. Thanks so much for calling in. Oh, we're thrilled, uh, thrilled to be uh, a part of your uh, show. You've done such a great job. I heard the interview last week oh, with good. Alex and Mo. It was amazing. And I uh, love what you have to, you know, your whole attack on everything. So I'm thrilled to be here. Well, as we were talking, um, you know, my show is called Get the Funk Out. And we all go through these ups and downs. And I know you've had your own backstory. Um, yes. You know, you want to. <laughs> I know. Do you want to talk about it briefly, and then we'll get into Danny's Well, yeah. I mean, I was. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, now 67 years old, but uh, you know, I was uh, back way back in the day. I mean, I've been, been uh, sober and clean for about 17 years, but I had a Fantastic. terrible uh, bout with drugs and alcohol that was ongoing for 20 years in wow. New York City, and. Uh, you know, almost died a couple of times, did some jail time, stuff like that, disappointed a lot of people. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't make it out of that, unfortunately. And there's a lot of young people today that are really in the throes of, uh, you know, narcotics and heroin and other, other substances, which was part of my story. Right. I'm not proud about it, but I'm very proud about the recovery and uh, that part of my life. But, you know, I would just say to anybody out there, you know, don't keep any secrets and tell at least one, one person with what's going on, and yeah. that would help greatly. But uh, I also feel that all you know, all the scars uh, that we have uh, help us in the creative field. Uh, you know, there's an expression uh, which is uh, basically called uh, "turn your poison into nectar," and I, I found out I'm a songwriter, an actor, and writer, and I find out that as far as creative people. Some of the hardest things uh, that they've gone through have actually given birth to a lot of great creative ventures. And, uh, yes. you know, that expression, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, uh, is, a, is a good one. And, you know, as Mike Tyson had a great expression, which I can't believe he came up with it, but he said, you know, you, he says, you make plans and then you get punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, gosh. So, uh, you know, that's kind of uh, my, uh, where I came from, uh, but I was always a, you know, a creative person, and, uh, you know, I'm very excited to, to be here this morning to talk about Damaged Furniture and, and our, our cast, and also our great, great playwright, Howard Score, who's just uh, amazing. So, uh, I, I will first, you know, go on about Howard. Uh, yes, you know, please. Let's talk about that. Uh, yeah, Howard, you know, he, you know, in the old days in theater in New York, it was kind of a different uh, culture, and it was just a different world, and now if you go to Broadway, a lot of the plays are, are remakes of animated TV shows or whatever, and stuff like that, and, you know, Howie's a real voice, and I have to say for myself, uh, the thing that really turned out, he was in my uh, workshop, we had a writing workshop for years. Oh. Uh, uh, the, with uh, Academy Award director uh, Bobby Moresco, who wrote uh, Crash and Mi Million Dollar Baby uh, mm -hmm. with Paul Haggis. Yeah. And, and Howie would give out the sides to uh, damaged furniture for two years in the play, and he never asked me to read one of the parts ever. <laughs> <laughs> he gave it to everybody else. I said, that's fine. But, I, you know, I remember when he was passing out the material. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of jaded, so I don't really laugh that much at comedy TV shows. I go, yeah, that's funny, yeah. Okay. And I, I never really can get a belly laugh out. But, you know, 
Howie started passing out his stuff, and I, I, was found, I found myself literally laughing out loud. Yes. Okay, and That's so, uh, and also in the theme of your show about get the funk out, it's a good uh, life lesson as well. You know, uh, Howie put a little blurb out that he was looking to get an actor who could stand toe-to-toe with our wonderful Alex Gooby. Mm-hmm. And at the very, very last second, I saw this post, and I sent him a four-word or five-word uh, Facebook text, and I was completely cynical. I said, he didn't use you to read for the thing for two <laughs> years. You were sitting right there. You know, why waste your time and right. that stuff? But you know what? I sent him, I sent him, he said, sure, come on and, and read. And they had a pretty good actor who actually has a ton of credits, uh, uh, pretty much selected for the role, who's, you know, had a great career. And I came in that night it was felt a little funky but it worked perfect with this character and mm-hmm. I read it and they, I got the part and Fantastic. so I did that little it's a little life lesson that if I didn't venture that forward uh, response to him and just didn't you know suit yes. it up and showed up I would have never gotten in this play so uh, a friend of mine says uh, has a great expression which is called say yes to everything Oh, yes, definitely. Because uh, you, you never know what's going to happen. But uh, I just want to go on more about Howard and, and his writing. I mean, sure. and any, anyone out there, as far as uh, who are what I call advocates of the art, you know, we're doing this Kickstarter campaign to ultimately bring damaged furniture to New York, and we have levels of support from $5 to $5,000. Uh, but, you know, if you're a patron of the arts and you want to support a real artist, Howard is one of these people. He's a great, great comedy writer. He he has the pacing and timing of a Neil Simon, but he has an underbelly that brings to mind people like Beckett and right. uh, and also, you know, uh, you know Quentin Tarantino. It's this crazy mix, but he's, he's brilliant. He's a brilliant writer. And, it shows. You know, I... Yeah. We've, we've done the play, and I, you know, and my character, I'll go in a little bit, you know, I'm an alcoholic dad in this family, and Alex plays my son, who's a kind of a runaway actor who wanted to run away from the dysfunction of the family and comes back to New York for a funeral, and he, I won't give away what the funeral's about, yeah, but no, it's, uh, he's surprised <laughs> to find out why his father died. It's a big shock, but, you know, the character, you know, we have a lot of these uh, kind of... Uh, firework, uh, you know, back and forth bits of dialogue. But the thing that's amazing about Howard's work is that there's a real underbelly and a real gravitas to his writing and his, to his comedy. So he talks about uh, stuff which uh, my friend who was a playwright, John Ford Newman, he's a good friend of mine, he said comedy is de- deadly serious. But the best comedy is performed deadly serious. <laughs> and, you know, this... This writing of, of Howard's had this because, you know, I, we could do stuff that would be, be bombastic and, you know, be called, you know, cliche funny and, you know, uh, just, you know, laugh out loud comedy. But there was this underbelly where if you let the moment hit you, there's the audience was hit with the real kind of underbelly of, of how he's writing. And yes. I can tell you for a matter of fact that I would come out after we do the show and I had guys, you know, come up to me with tears in their eyes. They were really? laughing so hard, but they actually had tears in their eyes. I had one friend of mine, actor Joe O'Connor, he actually at intermission had to go to Starbucks because he was laughing <laughs> oh. so hard. He had <laughs> asthma that he, he was afraid he wouldn't be able to breathe. Whoa. Uh, uh, it's a true story. I'm not, I believe I'm not it. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, the, you know, I, you know I, I love 
my role uh, that Howard wrote has a perfect arc to it, you know. Uh, yeah, can you tell uh, me a little bit about your role? I think that'd be great. Yeah, well, basically, you know, my character is this guy named Phil, who's uh, who's actually Alex's father in the play, and I own a furniture store in New York, and I'm an old taskmaster, but I've not been the most uh, present father, so to speak. I'm not good at communicating maybe with my son when he was younger, and I was always a drunk. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's an episode in the play very early on when he's young where he's trying to learn how to ice skate. And uh, I didn't like what he was doing. I, you know, and I basically challenged his manhood. And I ice skated over his finger and cut his finger. And oh. I was drunk. And so the question was, did I do that deliberately or did I do it on purpose? And right. the son, Alex, never forgave me for that. But there was, there was this always bond that never happened with the father and son. So when he comes back and he learns that I'm dying of cancer, uh, you know, we have it's two maelstroms kind of meeting up with each other, and we have to kind of reconcile and have this meeting. You know, how does he come back? How does he communicate with me? Uh, how does he, you know, get out what he needs to get out about, you know, never getting a hug from his father? And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and I have to deal with the fact that, you know what, maybe you weren't the greatest dad in the world. You know, maybe you could have done a better job. And, you know, what can you do now when this, when this, when this son who's now a grown man is in front of you? So it's a great arc. Yeah. Uh, you know, the director, what's his name, who directed, uh, 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 kind of the Dustin Hobbit movie, the, the Mike Nichols, the graduate, oh, yes. you know, yes. he said every scene is either a, a, a love scene, a negotiation or a war. And the way Howie's writing works for my scenes with Alex, every scene we do is either a negotiation a love scene or a war. So it had a perfect arc for me as an actor, and I absolutely loved doing it. And, you know, I mostly am, and I'm a pretty intense guy, and I'm mostly known for kind of the heavier kind of stuff I do, because, you know, Gravitas is a new place for me to go, but this was a a comedy, basically. Uh, But it was so much fun to do, and Alex was just, I mean, I work with Alex. We've worked together on and off in this place for almost a year. And I'm getting emotional about this. Cause we never had one argument, ever. That's great. We got along so great. Now, we're not on stage. We had so much fun, and it was just so, just so gratifying. So and I want to go right, you know, right back to the play again and, and you know, why I'm on the air, and that's to raise funds to get this play to New York. I mean, I know a lot of people who are listening don't know me. They don't know the play. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if you go to our Kickstarter campaign for damaged furniture to play, you'll see it. And you're going to be doing a good service. And I want to get into one other thing about Kickstarter campaigns because I see them on Facebook for people who have cancer. Yes. And I've helped out people and, and people have serious, you know, illnesses. And, and you know, some people say, well, you know, why do we care about your kid? It's about a play. You know, mm-hmm. that people need money for life and death issues. and. You know, that brings me around to kind of like the zeitgeist of our culture, and there's this kind of like sadness and the malaise in the country right now with the division uh, going on with, uh, you know, the present political yes. scene, and everything's, you know, split in half. People are sure. family members, friends, you know, are divided by politics, and so there's this kind of like malaise of the zeitgeist going around that's actually depressing a lot of people. Sure it is. And I can, and I can tell you that in our show, you know, there's an expression which is called laughter is the best medicine. And so by that token, what we're doing with this play is very, very important uh, right. for every member who comes to see it. And, for the, you know, it, we, we offer a therapy that's, 
you know, you can downplay it as much as you want, but when people laugh, get belly laughs amidst all the turmoil of what's going on in their daily life, I mean, when they come up to you after the show, you can see how happy and grateful Absolutely. they are. So. Let me interject something. Robert, let me just interject a quick thing, okay? Yeah. Because I think it's so powerful you guys want to go to New York. I mean, you're a New Yorker. You know, there's Mm -hmm. just a strong, this, you know, you see the characters, you read the storyline that Howie crafted, and it's just a strong message, which I think you're going to have heaps of people crying and being moved and laughing in New York. I think it makes total sense. What does it mean to you? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in New York, I mean, the way, the reason I, we've had tons of people come out, you've got to take this part in New York, but, yeah. you know, the, the furniture store is based in Howie's family, a true story in Brooklyn, okay? Number one, this play has a, a sister who's a therapist, but, you know, a son who's an actor. There's alcoholism and there's this Italian Jewish kind of uh, overtone to the play. There's this whole New York vibe to the play. I mean, this will ring so many bells for New York audiences. It, it's just off the charts on yeah. a lot of different levels. So that's another great reason that uh, it should go to New York, and I think we'll, we'll basically kick butt over there. Absolutely. I definitely think you're going to kick butt. Any last, um, we have a couple more minutes, any bit of information mm-hmm. you'd like to leave for the listeners about your experience in this play or messages you would like to convey from this play? Uh, I guess it's, uh, I guess it's, I think I'd like to kind of, uh, step back and just talk about the creative, being a, being an artist and a, or a creative person, because I'm sure there's a lot of your listeners are out there. And, you know, I haven't had the most monetarily successful career. I'm a songwriter, mm-hmm. I'm an actor, I'm a screenwriter, um, and I'm a musician. I play musical instruments, but I have a motto that, uh, is called, Stay creative whether you're getting paid or not. Uh, I have a lot of friends who've been very successful in show business who have made a fortune, but in the end, uh, they pursued money more than the arts. And they, and you know, years later, their show goes away, and they have this feeling of emptiness because they're not really nurturing the creative soul in their body. So, right. my message to people is: if you're a creative person, your, your job is to work on things whether you're with by yourself with other people whether you're paid or not because personally for myself if i'm not doing something creative whether or not i'm getting paid or not i feel like a loser i have other jobs and businesses that i work on that i make money but uh as a creative person that's you know that's that's really where i get my fulfillment in life i have to say so that would be my message and i i think as far as the play goes you know it's just a wonderful message about as how he says you know how do you how do you reconcile someone you've had a hard time with a father-son relationship or relatives uh, when the person you're trying to reconcile with is dying? And, and how is it done in a funny way? But, uh, yeah. uh, you know, that would be pretty much it, that I, you know, as far as that goes. I think that's fantastic. Now, if people want more information about you as well as damaged furniture, where should they go? Okay, so uh, uh, on Kickstarter, our, if you just go to Kickstarter and go to the, the, the term damaged furniture, the play, you'll find it on Kickstarter. That's the first place I want to direct you to right now. Okay. Uh, uh, for Secondly, uh, we're on, we have a Facebook page called Damaged Furniture, the play. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you can go there. Those are the two places that I would uh, send people to. Uh, I have a you know, Twitter handle of rmangiardi1, uh, and also have an Instagram uh, handle rmangiardi, M-A-N-G-I-A-R-D-I-1. And 
Uh, I have a Facebook page under Robbie Mangiardi, and I also have a music page called Robbie Mangiardi Music. Uh, so those Fantastic. are the main contact points for myself. Great. I want to thank you so much for calling the show. We featured your song, Moments of Weakness. Congratulations. Moment of Weakness. Yeah, Amazing. thank you so much oh my for God. doing that. And, Appreciate uh, it. Yeah, and all your info is up on the show blog, and this conversation will be up within an hour after I wrap. Have a great day. Oh, all right. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Congratulations. Okay. Bye-bye. That was actor Robert Mangiardi joining us to talk about his role in Damaged Furniture, the dysfunctional family heading to New York. If you missed any part of this, it'll, it's up on the show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. I've got to wrap up and get out of here. Sheldon Abbott is standing by with Cure for the Blues. If you missed any part of this, again, everything's on the blog. Uh, KUCI is on Twitter at KUCI-FM. I'm on Twitter at moms underscore rock. We're on Instagram, KUCI-FM. Have a fantastic day, and I'll be back next week. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.